My Michael sounds desperate to talk to me. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Oh, wrong movie. Sorry. Michael, I will kill your whole family if you don't get this right. Just leave me alone, you bitch. It's my best friend's wedding. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I am Dave. I'm the Julia Roberts of this podcast. I'm also the Julia Roberts of this podcast. (laughs) No one wants to be Cameron Diaz. That's fair. And today we're covering my best friend's wedding. So we watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of my best friend's wedding. We're going to recap those for you. Then we have some questions from our lovely, lovely listeners. We are going to answer those, and then we'll know exactly what happened in the middle. We have a romantic comedy on our hands here for Valentine's Day, but is it really a romantic comedy? Like, where's the romance or the comedy? Nope. Not to be seen. I'm going to save my full disdain for center counts later, but this simple comedy is just not for me, man. Like, I I just don't get it. Julia fall out of bed. Cameron Diaz make the car go fast. (laughs) It's dumb. It's really dumb really dumb Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this movie came out in 1997 directed by pj hogan starring julia roberts cameron diaz dermot mulroney and rupert everett what a fucking crazy name dermot i don't like him and we'll get to that but got a 73 on rotten tomatoes and it was a box office hit sitting in the top 10 for the year of 1997 wow i think at that time julia roberts was just huge and anything Julia Roberts was going to be a hit. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's it. And and listen, I don't hate Julia Roberts. I just don't like the vehicle. Yeah, not a great movie, but you're right. We will talk about it more in Center Counts. Yeah, David, let's make a pact, though. If by 38, we're still doing this podcast together, let's kill each other. Okay. Or actually, how about this? If I'm still talking in eight seconds, you should just start recapping this dang thing. So four ladies, a bride and three bridesmaids, all sing Wishing and Hoping in front of a red wall while the intro credits roll. Wasn't a version of this song used in a constipation medicine commercial? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprising. I'm dead serious. Like, whenever I hear this song, I just picture a middle-aged woman who wants to poop real bad. Like, wishing and hoping. There's no way I conjured that up on my own. There's definitely an old lady pooping. I don't know. You've concerted some pretty intense well, shit. Speaking of intense shit. No, before the movie movie even started, though, I don't know if this was just a Netflix thing. because This is where I watched it. It comes up at the top PG-13 and it tells you, you know, it tells you why they got the rating. Mm-hmm. It says one use of strong language and brief sex related humor. And that's enough to make it PG-13. One yeah, one use of strong language. But if that's enough to get it a PG-13, we are a hard R. We're uh, like a an X. <laughs> Is that mature? Triple X? Is that the sex stuff? Yes. We're one of those. Yep. This little song at the beginning that makes Michael want to poop went on for three and a half minutes. It was the entirety of the song that they sang while the credits rolled. This is something we don't see in shows now, in movies now, but we saw it a lot more in the past where it's like every person that worked on the movie is in the intro credits. They just go forever. They realize that people hate it. So that's why they stopped. Yeah. 
Probably. So this was three minutes of these women singing and good news for me. I don't have a lot of recapping to do. So we finally get into this movie. We cut to a busy restaurant kitchen preparing a very important meal. This is when the chef threatens to kill one of his sous chefs. If it isn't right. Yeah. This guy is worse than Gordon Ramsay. I will kill your whole family yeah. if you don't get this right. Yeah, that's legit. My least favorite part of PC culture is that you you can't be like that anymore as a boss. Like that's it's just not a thing. No, I like it, though. Like it's it's not you know that it's not personal between them. They're probably cool outside of work. Like for me personally, and I know other people do, too. I do my best work when somebody makes me mad and gives me that drive to prove them wrong. I, I don't know. Like maybe it's an age or a generation thing, but I, I'm cool with it. I want somebody to tell me I suck. No. I hate that. That makes me want to work the least amount possible. Well, good thing I'm not your boss. Good thing for more reasons than not. <laughs> That's fair. But did you see the, you know, how they do the chef slip to say what they're making as the meal? Yes. And it was labeled VIP. Yeah. But did you, did you see what they were making? What the list of foods was? No. It's tuna, scallop, rabbit, and veal. What a fucking ridiculous combination. Wow. So we probably only saw her eat a small portion of what she was actually going to eat at as a food critic. This is something I've always wondered is, does a food critic just get the full course meal like a an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert? Or do they get like the Gordon Ramsay style of like five entrees and then just take like two bites of each and then throw it at the waitress and say, this is garbage. Definitely the latter. We find out that this meal is being prepared for Julie Roberts, who is a food critic. Her name is Julianne, or Jules, as she is referred to for most of the movie. She chats with her dinner guest, who is named George. They're chatting about a guy. I already know George is gay. So she gets the food, and she's like, ah, oh, she calls it inventive and confident. This is why food mm -hmm. critics are trash. Like, if somebody describes food like that, I don't want to eat it. I'd want to hire it or have it as a podcast guest. I want my food to be delicious and filling. That's it. There's no need to get flowery with your language. I, I like a good confident dinner. Nah, no, like these chicken nuggets were daring and effervescent. Fuck out of here. They should just be crispy and tender. That's it. That's all I want. It honestly sounds like she was explaining a lover. Yeah. George tells her something about some dude and that prompts her to listen to a message on her phone that is the size of a cinder block. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. She's got one of those 1990s cell phones. It's from all of my research. I think it's a Motorola MicroTac wow. 9800X. You looked it up. I'm impressed. Yeah, I did some serious digging, and I'm pretty sure that's that's the version that it was. But man, oh man, did, was that thing terrible. She has a message on there from a friend named Michael. Oh, apparently, they were in a relationship a long time ago for a month, and then she freaked out, as she does. And they just decided to be best friends after and been best friends ever since. In my opinion, I don't think that ever works. So when movies makes it sound like it works, it's dumb. Yeah. So she's she's talking about this guy and this guy at 22 years old did the whole Blood Brothers thing with Julia Roberts. And she thinks that he's hubby material. Give me a break. Yeah. Like that's something six year olds do. Sophomore year, junior year of college. And he's fucking doing a blood pact <laughs> with his girlfriend. That's bananas. And also, these people don't look 28. I was very surprised when they talked about their ages. No. They, I don't know if it's me. Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm just being ticky tacky, but they look at least like mid 30s or later. That was the 90s, though. Like, ages were like that. Now, 28 looks like you're five. That's true. You definitely dressed more mature. I see 16 year olds driving, and I feel like they aren't even old enough to speak. <laughs> so she's now realizing that she's about to be 28, and Michael 
made a blood pact with her back years ago saying that when they were 28 that they would get married if they weren't already married or in relationships. So she's thinking that he's going to propose to her now. So she's kind of freaking out, but it seems like she's into it. Mm -hmm. So later in her apartment, hotel room, house, I don't know, she calls Michael back. It turns out they haven't talked in like a month or so. She mentions the blood pact, thinking that that's what he wanted to talk to her about. And he tells her, oh, no, not that. I met someone. This guy is a horrendous actor. We haven't seen him yet, but he sounds like a freaking robot and not like a Westworld robot. I'm talking like the made from Jetsons robot. Yeah, I don't think he's a very good actor. And I also like don't see the appeal of his attractiveness. Like, I feel like they cast him because women find him attractive, but I just don't get it. Well, it's a different it's a different thing in the 90s. He had a he had a 90s attractive face. That's true. In the 90s, you just needed to have a white blockhead face. And that's it. That makes sense. It's all of in sync. So it turns out that he met someone not only met, but is also engaged to. Now, these people are supposed to be best friends. Did he meet a 20 year old college girl named Kimberly? In a month or two and has already proposed and going to get married tomorrow. How crazy is that? This dude is marrying Cameron Diaz after only knowing her for like a month or two. Yeah, that's that's insane to me. It really is. He's like, oh, I'm almost 30 and this college girl wants to marry me and she's really rich. Lock it down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I can't do the whole like love at first sight. Let's let's get married in a month. Ashley hated me the first time she met me. Makes sense. Her best friend at the time had a had a crush on me, and I was a jerk and put bottles of frozen pee on her car, uh, her friend's car, not Ashley's car. Jesus Christ! But, <laughs> but then Ashley, you can't. You hold on. No, <laughs> I have let a lot go by here in 2021. I'm not letting go of the fact that some girl liked you, and your way of I don't know reciprocating it or saying no thanks, saying no thanks, was to put frozen pee on her car. You sure you weren't like subconsciously trying to like mark your territory like a wild animal? No, definitely not. No, the pee didn't get on her no. car. They were in bottles. Me and my me and my roommate for like a three week period for whatever reason decided that we wanted to pee in bottles like apple juice containers and old cartons of Newman's orange mango tango. We would just pee in those bottles whenever we had to urinate and then we froze them in the freezer. I don't know why it was for science. Did you did you not have a bathroom? We did have a bathroom. We would take the bottle into the bathroom. Did you aspire to be a trucker? No, it was just, it was for science. We were doing experiments. Then I just decided one day, let me grab all these bottles from my freezer and I'm going to put them all over the hood of her car. And that's what I did. The only story I have that's semi-comparable to that is there was this asshole douche in Boy Scouts with me and there was a water balloon fight one time at one of our camps and he pissed in a water balloon and threw it at someone. That was not me. That was not me. I yeah. would never do that. I mean, it's close. No, it's not the same because it was in a bottle. It's not like I peed on her car. But anyway, yeah, but you made her move your pee bottle. But it was frozen. Anyway, 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 anyway. <laughs> but it was frozen. That makes it fine. Let it go. You're right. The, the moral of this story is that Ashley met me a second time five years later, and I used my anti-game charm to woo her. And here we are. But you're supposed to be spending the rest of your life with this person. You can't just mm-hmm. make that decision in shorter than the run of a movie in theaters. You need some time, not a month. That's not enough time. Agreed. Anyway. And I feel like the fact that she is in college even amplifies the fact that you haven't had to make any real hard life decisions up till this point. You shouldn't be able to make a decision like that spur of the moment. Agreed. And I'm sure we'll touch on that in center chat. Center chat. 
moral of the story is that Jules seems devastated about it. She falls off the bed. She's so mad. And we are learning that she has more feelings for Michael than she let on. Yeah. During the call, he also calls her beautiful. I get that they're best friends, but isn't it kind of inappropriate since he's getting married to another woman in a few days? Oh, yeah. They're like super flirty best friends, which this is why I feel like boy, girl used to date and now we're going to be best friends. Things never works. Yeah. This guy's the biggest tool in the world. At this point, she's got to go to the wedding. Michael says, I can't do this without you. I need your help. You you need to be part of it. So she's going to fly to Chicago. George is driving her to the airport where she is just saying that her plan is to basically break up the wedding and bring him back with her to wherever they are, which is freaking insane. Sociopath. Yeah. How about instead of trying to break up a wedding over four days, you just sit him down when you get out there and say, hey, I have feelings for you. If you would like to act on those, feel free. If not, good riddance. (laughs) Have a conversation. Don't try and break up a wedding. Because you have feelings for someone that apparently doesn't share those feelings for you. Mm-hmm. Craziness. But she arrives in Chicago. They run at each other and slam their faces together. I didn't understand that. <laughs> they have run to each other like long lost blood pactors. We meet Cameron Diaz, Kimberly, or Kimmy, as she is referred to in a lot of the movie. She hugs Jules, which like, I've known you for three seconds. Get the fuck off me. They are driving away from the airport and Kimberly is driving like a mad woman and or my sister for anyone who has been in a car with her, weaving in and out of cars, flying down the road, swerving across the whole highway to get off her exit. Just bananas. Feel like you're going to die the whole time. No one really drives like that, though. My sister doesn't drive quite like that, but pretty close. It's frightening. So in the car, Kimmy asks Jules to be her maid of honor. Bitch, you just hugged me. You're marrying the man that I would like to have for myself. And you've known me for 10 goddamn minutes. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, this is wild. No one would really do this. No. And especially since the the wedding festivities, which are going to be four days long, start tomorrow. Yeah. So immediately we see them in a dress shop getting jewels fitted for her maid of honor dress. And... It's hideous. I hate it. (laughs) I don't think it was supposed to be hideous. It was the 90s, so like shit was crazy. I think it was supposed to be really pretty, but I just hate it. She is going to be wearing a pair of Manolo Blahniks, though. This is the second time Manolo Blahniks have shown up in movies that we've talked about. Can you remember the other one, Michael? Sex in the City. Proud of you. Yep. Those were the shoes that Sarah Jessica Horseface had, (laughs) and Manolo Blahniks are some high-quality shit. This chick's a billionaire, so makes sense. Okay. Jules in her being out of her comfort zone type of situation says, I need to get some air or go smoke a cigarette and bends over, rips a big hole in the dress. Very funny. Ha ha. Not really. I, yeah. Like somebody leaning the wrong way and getting an eight inch tear in their dress at leg level. That's funny in the 90s. What was wrong with us? If that was a movie in 2021, she would have ripped it right down the ass and you would have saw her ass cheeks and that would have been better. Yes, 100%. I I just, I don't get it. She heads into the dressing room. She's on the phone with George, just like freaking out, venting a little bit and like doesn't know what's going on. She's in a bra and panties fit for the 90s (laughs) and someone knocks on the door. She just says, yeah, come in, whatever, while she's on the phone and it's Michael. So now he has seen her in her semi-birthday suit and she's just like oh covers herself up and he's like well i've seen you naked before so don't worry about it it's like that's not how marriage works bud (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I would love to be Cameron Diaz and be like, oh, yeah, you just like took a shower with with Jules. He's like, yeah, I mean, we've done it before. It's fine. (laughs) He arrives in there and she's like, no, things are different. This can't happen anymore. End of 15 minutes. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad it's over. (laughs) I'm glad it's over. Me too. But unfortunately, it starts back up at one hour, (laughs) 25 minutes and 49 seconds. Dumb, dumb Michael is talking some nonsense about fungus and pond scum, and he tells the story of his proposal to Kimmy. He tells the story to Jules. Yes. Apparently, he asked Cameron Diaz to marry him while he was on a train, and she wasn't on the train. Mm -hmm. Okay, real romantic. Julie and Michael agree to split up to try to find Cameron Diaz because she is a runaway bride. Ironic. Yes. This next scene is the only scene of the movie that I enjoy. Julie calls who I believe to be Kimmy's mom, question mark. I think it was one of her other bridesmaids. Oh, okay. Well, whoever it is, she thinks that Kimmy is somewhere with Michael, quote unquote, doing the nasty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 90s, classic. Very classic 90s. And then we see amongst all the wedding trappings, a woman who is stuck to an ice sculpture of David because she was partaking in some good old-fashioned ice fellatio. Yeah, this scene was interesting. One is that why do you have an ice sculpture of David at your fucking, like, whatever this is, pre-wedding party? I don't even know. And two, what prompted this woman to fucking put her mouth on his little his little icy penis? She was trying to make some ice cream, baby. This, <laughs> I'm glad I led you into that. Yeah, You're welcome. You. This is the yeah. exact reason why I have not been able to eat a fudgesicle after the age of 11. I don't know if you know, David. Because you remember the taste? No, not because I remember the taste. But <laughs> fudgesicles look shockingly similar to a brown-skinned man's thin penis. And I am just not that open in my sexuality to introduce such a concept. Wow, that's interesting. Are you okay <laughs> with like... It's interesting that they look like a black man's penis or interesting that I'm not open to it. It's interesting that you're not comfortable enough with your own exploratory sexuality to be okay with it. I don't know. I just Does that rule out like most popsicles or like if it's a color that is not associated to skin, you're cool with it? I'm, yeah, I'm cool. If Like I can eat a, a neon banana popsicle into it, but anything that's chocolate or like peach or apricot, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think I could do it. Don't think interesting. What about like coconut, like a really stark white, like ghostly penis? (laughs) (laughs) No, can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, makes sense. Well, you shouldn't go to Comic-Con then because there's a lot of people with different colored skin and it would just ruin all popsicles for you for all of eternity. Yep. But anyway, yeah, this random lady is the spectacle of the party because she pulled a flick from a Christmas story and she licked a horizontal pole. Mm hmm. Now the one, if I remember the statue of David, it's kind of more like flaccid, arched downward. Yeah, it's 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 flaccid, which makes it even weirder that she was licking it. <laughs> I guess, like if he had a rock hard, she was licking yeah. it, but David wasn't into it. You know, <laughs> like she was trying to get him going. It was just like he ate some bad Mexican for dinner. She's like, I'm, I can't tonight. I just can't. Or maybe he was drunk. Do you think he was drunk? I bet he was drunk. And he just like couldn't get it up. And she's like, well, let me try. And then she just like went to town on it. And he was still like, no, it's not. It's just not doing it. She's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to fuck this bedpost. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) But really, though, what would prompt you to lick a flaccid icicle statue penis? I don't like in front of people, too. It's not like you were in private. You were in the middle of a party. I almost feel like being in the middle of a party makes it more acceptable. If she was in private, that would be fucked up. That's true. Like that, that would be way worse. At a party, she's like, aha, look what I'm doing. I'm putting my tongue on this little penis. Oh, no, well, come off. 
<laughs> this that's is a funny true. movie. No, that's true. If I was at a party in my college days and there was an ice sculpture with a, with a flask of penis, I, I would have licked it. So that, that makes sense. Next time I'm at a party with you, I'm getting you some popsicles. Let me tell you that much, my friend. Perfect. So the one piece mm-hmm. of information that Julia does get from the bridesmaid or Kimmy's mom or whoever it is, is that maybe Kimmy was seen at a White Sox game. So Julie heads to the stadium's restrooms because if there's anything she's come to learn about Kimmy, it's that she's prone to wishing and hoping and pooping in public. (laughs) And she starts calling out for Kimmy and there's some wise ass lady that keeps repeating her. It's so random. I like it. That was the only other good part of this movie was that lady. (laughs) Kimmy. Yeah, it's pretty Uh, great. great. Whenever you're in public, like the real public, you meet some interesting characters. So I appreciate the realism here. I don't know how that woman even got into that game. She looks homeless. (laughs) And Kimmy busts out of a stall calling Julianne a bitch. Oh, PG-13. Watch out. Yep. They start a cat fight. And I'm not calling it that. The butch woman in stall three calls it that. And all the women, and, and I can say that since this is 1997, this is not a gender-neutral restroom. They all crowd around our two leads, and when we learn that Julianne kissed the groom-to-be in the bride's house, no less, the crowd starts to call Julie names like bitch and tramp. You don't really hear people get called tramp anymore. It's a lost No, part. yeah, I feel like tramp went out of style. Yeah, kind of, I, I like it. I need to bring that back. <laughs> There's like 60 ladies here at this point. So many people in this bathroom. Yeah, and I'm not even including the ones that are still sitting in their stalls trying to pee and poop. So there are a lot of open stalls. Why are there so many people just standing around in this bathroom? It smells like shit. I don't know if you've ever been in a public restroom, especially like a a, a stadium restroom. Yeah, it does like not a smell fucking good. Baseball game that is not going to be pleasant. Yeah. Now, granted, I've never been in the women's one, so probably smells just a little bit more like roses, but not a lot. I don't know. I so when I was younger, working at a grocery store before I moved into my meat career. You know, I, I was one of the baggers, and part of your job as a bagger is you have to go and clean the restroom sometimes. The women's restrooms are far filthier and stinkier than the men's restrooms. Without a doubt, really? 100% fact. Those those people are savages. And by those people, I mean women. Savages. Well, hold on. Here's the thing, is that any guy will use a restroom in a grocery store. However, I feel like the only women that are going to use a bathroom in a grocery store are the women who are going to make that place a little rank. That's that's a very that's a that's a very good point. You have to pay attention to the input in this scientific experiment. When I got to poop, I got to poop, you know? Wishing and hoping. Yeah, so I that's a fair point. I I re- absolutely refuse to go number 2 in public restrooms. My whole day is ruined if I have to shit after my shower. Yeah, I mean that make that tracks perfectly with your whole shties. Yeah, I just apparently I have a thing about needing to be clean. It's kind of extreme. Yeah, it's it's becoming more and more apparent that it's a little bit OCD level. Anyway, the ladies in the restroom cheer the loudest when Kimmy calls Julie a food critic, which apparently is a huge diss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bitch, she's a food critic. <laughs> it was like she called her a prostitute. Yeah, but spoiler alert, we will discuss that as part of Center Chat next week. Center Chat. We're making this a thing. Julianne offers to take Kimmy to church. Insert that horrible hosier song here. The stinky women all clap. And that was all the reassurance Kimmy needed to go back and marry Michael. Fuck another hug. I've known you for three days now. Get the fuck off me. Michael and Kimmy wed. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton is the priest. Is he really? 
Yep. So he went from bad Santa Billy Bob Thornton to priest Billy Bob Thornton. I, I didn't look this up. Was this really Billy Bob Thornton or was it just a lookalike? I'm pretty confident it was Billy Bob Thornton. There is only one Billy Bob Thornton. I'm going to be watching for Tony Cox in the crowd. I bet he's there. So we're at the reception now and some Doogie Hauser looking kid who I'm guessing <laughs> is a little brother of some sort gives a bland best man speech. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. I looked it up. That little brother, Mm -hmm. he is the oldest brother for Malcolm in the Middle, one of the Masterson brothers. Oh, ah. Anyway. Interesting. So it's now time for Julianne's Maid of Honor toast. Mm -hmm. It's short, sweet, and she offers to loan them a song until they can find their own. That's not how songs work. (laughs) And the band starts to play a rendition of Sinatra's The Way You Look Tonight. And that is going to be the first dance song for Michael and Kimmy. Sung by the other bridesmaids. Yep. Dave, what was your first dance song? It was that John Legend song that I really can't remember the name of right now. And if you put this in the podcast, I will stab you. Oh, I will kill your whole family. I'm putting it in the podcast. So you better come up with the name of that song. It was it was All of Me by John Legend. All of Me by John Legend. Mine was We Found Each Other in the Dark by City and Color. So go check out our songs and dance with your bad self alone in your kitchen or wherever. Is is the dark referring to the pee, pee jars? Nope, not the pee jars, but maybe metaphorically. No, no, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the wedding ends, and as Kim and Michael leave, it is a madhouse. One million people. Crazy. Kimmy tosses her bouquet from a balcony to a crowd of more women than were in the bathroom earlier. Mm. There's a fight for the flowers, as if it means anything anyway. Julianne tries to push through the huddle of humans to get a final goodbye. She turns dejected, but Michael grabs her. They embrace and goodbye as people whip rice at the newlyweds faces so this kind of doesn't make sense because she doesn't even strike me as the type of person that would be in that crowd of women trying to catch the bouquet like why is she even there i think they just like forced all the women to be there that were of marriage age like some some guy went around like collecting all the 20 something women to shove them into a room yep wow now uh, this part i don't understand so i think there's a flashback to earlier in the night or the party is still going on without michael and kim which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think that was more of a thing back in the 90s where, or or even earlier where it's like the bride and the groom would leave like halfway through the party and then you would just continue partying. Really? That's a thing? Yeah, I believe that was a thing. I would leave. Like, why, why am I? I don't want to be at a wedding reception without the bride and groom. Like, get the fuck out of there. Go home and fucking eat some M&Ms or something. I don't know. Ridiculous. I mean, I'd at least say for the cake. The cake is fed before the bride and groom leave. You don't know that. Okay. Well, anyway. They could have fed the cake to each other, but not ditched it out to everyone yet. I, I think it's a flashback. I don't know. Why would why would we randomly see George is there like, after she is all dejected and sad? I don't know that it's a flashback. Okay. I, I'll let you believe it if you want to, but I don't. Well, anyway, speaking of George, that's Julie's friend from the beginning of the movie. He calls her while she sits at a table. He is also at the reception, and they dance while the wedding band plays I Say a Little Prayer by Aretha. 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 <laughs> it's not Aretha. Aretha. Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> the- <laughs> The better question is, is how did she's a magician? Because how did she get that cinder block of a phone into that little purse? (laughs) It's impossible. Literally impossible. While they're dancing, we also get shots of other people who most likely played a part in the movie, but they mean absolutely nothing to me. Zero. The end. Urethra Franklin. (laughs) That's a good one. Happy accident. It is center commercial time. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podcasters, we're talking to you. It's a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member, and you pick the ads that go in your show. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That, that didn't sound as good as I thought it was going to sound. Be sure to add the center cut in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application, brothers and sisters. That's commercial time. David. Michael. We know what happened in the ends of the movies. I think we Mm -hmm. need to answer some questions to help us out with the middle. I think we do too. Our first question is from Courtney. I'm so glad that Courtney is back with a question. I gotta be honest. I thought There was a small part of my brain that thought Courtney was like, fuck the center cut. I'm done with these assholes. But she's back. It made me really sad. I haven't been giving it 100% since since the last time that Courtney made an appearance on the podcast. Yes. So her question is, when Julianne takes Michael and Kimmy to a karaoke bar, what song does Kimmy decide to sing? So I think she sings it to Michael and she sings, I want to sex you up by Color Me Bad. Color Me Bad, baby. That's a good thought. I think that Kimmy decides to sing OPP by Naughty by Nature, which is ironic because Julianne is the OPP here. Do do you know what OPP stands for? No. Other people's pussy. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. It's got to be something about cheating or your friend stealing your mans or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or sexing. Every Rose Has a Thorn by Poison. Is that about cheating? I don't know what that has to do with anything. Okay. It's just (laughs) the first thing I thought of. Yeah, but, but it's that. Okay. So Ashley had a question for us. Piggybacking off the question from Courtney, why is it a big deal that she takes them to a karaoke bar? The only logical thing I can come up with here is that it's where Michael and Jules had met originally. Yeah, that is a great thought process. So great that I have the same one. (laughs) So I'm thinking that this must be a fond memory that they shared together in some way or another, because at this point, we're assuming that in the middle here, she is trying every every trick in her book here to get michael to be hers it would have been 1989 or so right because if Mm -hmm. it was six years or eight years prior to when the movie came out so because she was a sophomore in college she's probably singing like something to talk about by bonnie Raitt, and he's like a closet bonnie Raitt fan and just jumped on stage to back her up and they just fell in love from there okay best friends in bonnie Raitt. yep have you ever done karaoke dave nope really Yeah, for the amount of singing I do in this podcast, you'd think that I have, but I have not. The only songs that I can remember doing karaoke in my life, because I will only do karaoke if I'm drunk. What I Got by Sublime, Bills, 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 Destiny's Child, (laughs) My Own Worst Enemy by Lit, and The Bad Touch by The Bloodhound Gang. I'm I'm mostly Mm. proud of that last one. Solid Bloodhound Gang (laughs) reference. Nice. All right. Next lot of questions here are from Emily. Oh. Did the dirty work and watch this movie just to ask questions. What a star. I want to sex her up. In the movie, Jules compares herself and Kimmy to desserts. What desserts are they? So I think Jules is a red velvet cake, you know, because of her bush. And I think that Kimmy is naked brownies also because of the lack of bush. Wow. You really went there. So I thought this question said desert. So I went with Gobi and Sarah. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Jules says, I'm a tiramisu. I have layers, but really like you just inhale all the powder on accident and you want to choke and die. 
And she's just a Dorito. She's cheesy. And when you open the bag, she's only halfway there. Doritos aren't desserts. Oh, Doritos are desserts. I would rather eat a Dorito (laughs) than a tiramisu all day long. Okay. Well, yeah, when you compare Doritos to tiramisu, but it still doesn't make it a dessert because you would rather eat it than one other dessert. No, it it is. Dorito is something you can eat after a meal to satiate a sweet side. False. <laughs> well, regardless. That's just absolute malarkey. <laughs> regardless. You can't just say these things. You can't just say that Doritos fulfill your sweet tooth. That is not a thing. No one thinks that is a thing. Doritos are obviously an appetizer. I have eaten a Dorito after I've eaten a meal, though. It's- okay, cool. But that just doesn't make it a just because it's after a meal doesn't make it a dessert. In that case, dinner's a dessert because I had lunch. Like, that makes no sense. No, but I mean, like, directly after dinner. Like, I'll finish my dinner, and then there's a 30-second period where I go waddle my fat ass over to the pantry. I grab a bag of Doritos. That's dessert. No, then you had Doritos for dinner. (laughs) You fucking psychopath. There's no... (laughs) Look up the definition of dessert. There's nowhere in dessert that says it has to be like a certain texture or... I'm doing it right now. Flavor profile. Anything could be dessert. Yeah, so it says, says right here, a dessert is abandoned in a way considered disloyal or treacherous. No, real dessert is a sweet course eaten at the end of a meal. Fuck your shit, you stupid asshole. <laughs> have you never eaten Cool Ranch Doritos? They are sweet. Yeah, cool Ranch Doritos are the best Doritos. We could have that conversation all day long, but they aren't a dessert. I don't know. Well, here's something we can't agree on. I do know. They're not a sweet course eaten at the end of a meal. Okay, well, I'm going to stand by my statement, but regardless, we can both agree that tiramisu is a top five most overrated dessert. Can we not? I just don't want it. Yeah. But here's what we can also agree on. The first four things above in the top five are anything involving non-ice cream cake. Cake sucks. Cake is the worst. It's just dry, frosted chunks of mattress. Nope. You haven't had good cake then. Cake sucks camel dick. Nope. Give cake a chance. I'm going to make t-shirts. No. Ashley and I did donuts instead of cake at our wedding. That's how much we don't like cake. Yeah, you also have a donut tattoo. It's true. Anyway, so there's that. We are far flung from my best friend's wedding. Are we? So, next question from Emily: How does Michael take the ring off of Jules's finger, and why did she have it on with his mouth? I know that's ridiculous, but dude way oversteps the non-fiance boundaries. So I could totally see him doing that, like putting his mouth at the end of her finger and then like sucking it back. And she had it on because he wanted to practice with her because he's a little baby back bitch. Jules, I'm scared. Bro, you're getting married, not murdered. Yeah, I had the same answer. The first four words in my answer are, he sucks it off. (laughs) The next four words are, it's gross to watch. (laughs) Yep. I think that she had it on, though, because her and Kimmy are the similar ring sizes, and they were picking it up from the jewelry store to see if the sizing was correct. Mm. Okay. But he for sure sucks that damn finger. Next question from Emily. According to Michael, what is lower than fungus? So he refers to Jules as fungus, or at least we didn't really hear that part. But she says, oh, that makes me fungus from where I picked up. So it sounds like he is kind of referring to Jules as fungus. So lower than fungus, cheaters, because I think fungus is home wreckers. Yeah, I thought it was pond scum, but I guess that doesn't make sense because he said that pond scum is higher than fungus. So tiramisu. Dorito dessert. Next question from Emily. Using a hotel room item, fill in the blank. Death by blank. How glamorous. 
Who says this to Jules and why? Duvet cover. Death by duvet cover. It's got to be alliterative like that, and it's got to be George who says it. I'm not trying to stereotype based on sexual proclivity, but if you are a straight man and you call anything on your bed a duvet or a duvet cover and and that and not just like blanket, you're not actually a straight man. There's nothing wrong with the fact that you're not a straight man. You just need to know that you're lying about your sexuality. Just come out already. I have a duvet cover and I call it a duvet cover on a regular basis because it's not a fucking blanket. Even if I had a comforter on my bed, it's not just a blanket. A blanket is what you put on your fucking lap on the couch. A duvet cover is the cover over a blank comforter, or you can have a stitched comforter that is on its own a comforter. I think that you are just too man for your own good and don't agree to just know what these terms are like a normal human being. False. Blanket describes all of them. Blanket is the catch-all for anything that goes on your bed that covers you up. So we're both right. Is it? Yes, it is. But anyway. What's the definition of blanket? Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the reason he says this is because they have a pillow fight. Oh, interesting. So I say death by complimentary robe. How glamorous. I also think it's George who says this. I just think that it's because she calls George and she's like, this is not going well. I'm going to fucking hang myself with my <laughs> robe. And he's like, oh, death by robe. How glamorous. Okay, maybe. Um, we At least we agree that it's George. Definitely George. If you say duvet, I agree with you, men. Next set of questions are from friend of our life and show, Charlin. Mm-hmm. What does Jules steal to chase after Michael? A motorcycle, and she can't drive it, so it's semi-funny. <laughs> then she spends the rest of the movie in jail for stealing a motorcycle. I went with a hobo's bicycle, because uh, I did that once. I gave it back after, though. Shut up. I didn't actually steal a hobo's bicycle. It was more just me borrowing his bike. He was drunk, and so was I. That doesn't make it okay, Michael. <laughs> What happens to one of Kimmy's bridesmaids, Charlene asks. I think this is the lady who sucks the ice cock, right? Oh, yeah, probably. Or Mandy, the girl who she talks to on the phone. One of those two. But what happens to her? I don't know. I asked you. I gave you my answer. I think it's the lady who sucks the ice cock. Oh, so you think what happens to her is the sucking of the ice cock that we saw? Yes. I think Charlene's smart enough to not ask us something that she knew we would have seen. So I'm going to say that she also falls in love with Michael. And Jules kills her, but it's fine because it was for love. Okay. Next set of questions are from our friend Cindy slash doodlist sticker shop person. Oh, yeah. Go get some stickers. Yeah. Who the fuck does Julianne think she is? (laughs) God's gift to the earth. Yeah. Great question. Seriously. Even if even if she can break up the wedding and he doesn't find out. You're just assuming that he now wants to marry you because he rubbed his bloody finger on yours when he was drunk one night. And also, yeah. like, she was just fine not talking to him for months right before this. But now she's hell-bent on breaking up his wedding so she can fuck him instead. Tramp. Tramp. Absolutely crazy. Tramp. Bananas. So Cindy asks, where does George tell people he met Jules? So I think they must try to pull off some ruse in the movie where George is with Jules. So with that, I think he, you know, trying to sound as manly as possible What's the straightest, most ridiculously masculine, toxically way you could meet a woman? 
he ran over her during a drag race because his muscles busted his shirt open, which then knocked his Budweiser over and he bent down to grab it. Well, that's too far fetched. Nope. He was building his own log cabin from scratch and she was jogging mm-hmm. through the woods. Oh, yeah. The old log cabin. Mm-hmm. He was hunting for his dinner mm. when she was a damsel in distress and he heard her cries and searched and used his ability, his tracking abilities to find her and bring her back to his luscious estate. Luscious. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that sounds that manly. <laughs> nope. Nope. I, we, we lost him on luscious. No, I just think it's also a karaoke bar. This is the theme of the, of the movie is that everyone meets in karaoke bars. Okay. <laughs> Cindy's last question. What does Kimmy give up for Michael? Her virginity. I was fighting the urge to not say something rated R there. I really was. That's exactly where my mind went. I'm sorry. But the only PG thing that I could think of would have to be tied to her being in college, maybe. Like, maybe an extracurricular activity of some sort. She gives up her Sunday Glee Club meetings for the wedding that week or something like that. Do you think she's giving up college? No, I don't think so. Because why would she need to? Oh, maybe... Maybe yeah. it has, maybe there's some conflict of interest with her dad. We learn that her dad has some ties to the White Sox as an owner or something. And because Michael's a sports writer, maybe, maybe she has to give up her seat on the board or some equivalent since then Michael would have some inside knowledge. I don't know. Like that seems lame for this type of movie, but that's all I got, homie. Yeah. I think her virginity is the one sexual thing that happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. Other than the sucking on the David penis. Yeah. Dave, this is the first movie, I think, where there was a David and a Michael in the movie. Yeah, you're right. It is a little weird. I've been saying your name a lot, and I hate it. Yep. Can we be done talking about this movie now? Yes, we absolutely can. Well, I think that means that we need to get into... Do Do you remember the jingle? I do, but I can't Um, can't do the same jingle every time because I, I, I realized after that it wasn't an original jingle that I made up. It was part of the theme song to Doug. And it was just it just happened to be in my head and I don't want to get sued. Yeah, that makes sense. So even though our theme song is literally a Jimmy Eat World song, but go go for it. So the new jingle is do 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. We're not having a jingle. It's center counts. I hate this. It's it's center counts. I like the old jingle. Center counts. I give it a one out of seven. Oh no, this is our first one. So I really want to know why. If I have not seen an 80s or 90s movie when it was in its heyday, there's a 95% chance that I will hate it. And this is what happened here. It just feels so dated and stale and boring. Cool. Julia Roberts has a beautiful smile. There's a gay best friend who likes dancing. And, And as Joe from our pals, Courtney and Joe spoil everything, put it, Cameron Diaz is Garbaggio. I hope to God I never have to watch the middle of this thing. I just, there's nothing about it that is good. Hmm. So I gave it a three. I don't think Cameron Diaz is Garbaggio. She's not my favorite person in the world. And honestly, I would have given this probably a lower score because I agree with you that the plot is just bananas. The fact that anyone can watch this movie and not think that Jules is insane is crazy. But she is attractive. I'm a Julia Roberts fan, and she like really with the curly red hair just does it for me. This movie, so I'm I'm giving it a three out of seven. Just like Doritos for dessert, you're wrong. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Whatever you say. I already proved you wrong once. <laughs> Don't make me do it again. I bet there are some funny-ish parts. I mean, I don't believe a movie where a woman got her tongue stuck to an ice penis, you could give a one out of seven. That's that's what made it from a zero to a se- zero out of seven to a one. It brought you it up. You can't even give it point. a zero. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. I'm never allowing you to give it a zero. All right. Well, this would have had one a zero. the lowest but, score. All right. Fine. Well, then I give this a one still. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I am done talking about this movie, Dave. What are we doing next episode? So next proper center cut episode will be March 3rd, and we are going to be doing season one of Riverdale. Oh, God. Are we just are we purposely trying to do a bunch of bad things in a row? Yep. (laughs) So that's coming up in two weeks. But what is happening the week after this comes out? Next Wednesday, you are going to be seeing another center chat episode come through, and we are going to be discussing if we would rather marry a food critic or a rich college student. Interesting. Mm. I have some thoughts. Me too. So we should probably talk about it. We should. And record it and make it available to all of our listeners to listen to and hate our opinions. I think that sounds like a good plan. Cool. Now, Dave, I recorded the podcast tonight on a moon pod. Ooh, a moon pod. Does that mean you're on the floor (laughs) recording this podcast? It does not. And I also may or may not be nude. It's the moon pod, man. It makes me that comfy. It's a like nude pod. A eh? moon pod. It's like a bean bag. If a bean bag also gave you a happy ending, that, oh. that's the best way to describe it. If <laughs> if you're feeling frisky, check out moonpod.co. I have mine coupled with the crescent pod, which is like a mega neck pillow slash armrest slash soft man giving you a constant hug very comfy i want a jizz chair where can i get it again that's moonpod.co okay like if you're going to the dot com but you get rid of the m just like david wants to do on this podcast get it yep the m okay yeah that's that's it friends as always check us out on all the all the fun things send us an email the center cut cast at gmail.com you can also check us out on facebook at the center cut cast page instagram twitter all the things and more importantly if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. That way it just comes up. You don't even have to th- you don't have to think about it. It just happens for you. Why would you not want that? Don't waste a part of your brain thinking about our show when you're not listening to us. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah, just subscribe. It's easy. Also, for you podcasters who are listening, don't forget to go check out podgo.co. And remember on the where did you hear about us section, put in the center cut. Yeah. Tell them those boys over the center cut sent me. That's it. Like my icy penis. Between the lips of that bridesmaid, it's always better in the center.